Angels.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. As Christ also loved the church and gave himself up on her behalf so that he might make her holy, having cleansed her with the washing of water by a rhema, so that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such things, but that she may be holy and blameless. Almighty God, I pray that today, as we look carefully at our founding fathers, as we look at the reality of intentional men and women destroying America, I pray, Lord, that you will move with power that you will open for us in your mighty name, O Lord. Open for us a way of escape in America because everything is going to come crashing down. Lord, speak today a word of warning to our hearts, a word of righteousness to our spirits, and call us back to the ancient path. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Thank you today for listening to the broadcast. It is of utmost importance. It is a very solemn message I have for you, a word of warning. When I was a child, I remember going to the second grade to Mrs. Jones' class. This was a one-room schoolhouse. As I sat in my bench seat, I could see above the blackboard an American flag hanging. I could see the alphabet on top of that blackboard. She welcomed us that opening day, and she opened the scriptures and began to read to us. And then she bowed her head in humble prayer and prayed for us. And then we stood together. We stood together and put our hands over our heart and said the Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God. There was no question that we were Christian. Oh, there were some there who were not Christian, but there was a recognition that we are 
and we were a Christian nation founded on Christian principles. I'll be broad and say Judeo-Christian, but largely Christian nation founded on the Scriptures. I'm going to assert to you today that the Revolutionary War fought with England was a Christian war. It was a war of freedom because the beliefs of our founding fathers were that every man had the right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness without the tyrannical control of a government agency. Now we have the tyrannical control of the government that was supposed to be guarding freedom. Common core. What a travesty. Intentionally designed to dumb down the children of America. It is succeeding in a marvelous way. Our universities have become hotbeds of communism and socialism. Millennials prefer a socialist to one who would uphold the Constitution. We're in trouble. Now, when I look at this passage of Scripture in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, Christ loved the church and he gave himself up on her behalf. In other words, he offered an unconditional loving atonement but that atonement did not make us righteous. It simply provided the opportunity for that righteousness. And then the writer of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, goes on, so that he might make her holy, having cleansed her with the washing of water by a rhema. That is not a word that is written but a word that is spoken. God came to speak to us in Jesus Christ, a rhema word. The Holy Spirit came to wash us, to cleanse us, to make us holy. America was built on the solid foundation of righteous, moral, holy people, and America was prepared for that revolution against England by the Third Great Awakening with those awesome preachers like Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, John Wesley, and many others as they proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ in this nation and turned the heart of this people the French Revolution, on the other hand, was a progressive revolution. It was a leftist revolution. It was an ungodly revolution. And the results were strikingly different. Now I'm going to come back to this passage, and we're going to carefully examine it. 
But first, I need to talk with you about the Founding Fathers. Now, all this week, I'm going to be sharing with you the religious and Christian beliefs that must be reinstituted in America if we are to remain a free nation. There is a righteousness that must dwell in the heart of every man and woman, or we will totally lose our freedoms in America. The wicked belief that the atonement work of Jesus Christ forgave us for the penalty of sin, but has no power to remove the actual sin and give to us the supernatural gift of righteous life has destroyed the American church. When I can stand in the congregation of a Christian church and listen after the service as the men gather to talk about football, as they gather to talk about the Kardashians, or they gather to talk about whatever is on their minds, but it is certainly not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is certainly not praying for one another. It is certainly not encouraging one another to walk that path of holiness. This must change. We are in a downward death spiral with our finances globally, but more specifically in America. The dollar is crashing. Why? because of wicked criminal enterprises from the highest level of our United States government. These things did not go on in the early days of our republic. And there must be a turning back to godliness on an individual basis. I must become utterly godly. You must become utterly, thoroughly Christian in your understanding of righteousness. Jeffrey Anderson, writing for the Weekly Standard, wrote a piece on President Obama's continual misquoting, intentional misquoting of the Declaration of Independence. At a Democratic fundraiser in 2010, President Obama misquoted the Declaration of Independence, misquoted the most famous sentence, and once again omitted its reference to our Creator. The first time that something happens and is met with publicity and criticism, it could well be an accident or part of the learning curve, like the first time one bows down to foreign royalty when other U.S. presidents haven't, or the first time one issues a public apology abroad for past real or imagined American sins in the way other presidents haven't. But the second time, the assumption must be that it's probably deliberate. And that makes it all the more appalling other presidents didn't deliberately misquote the Declaration of Independence, and they didn't leave out or rewrite the words about our rights being endowed by our Creator. 
the first time President Obama misquoted the Declaration in this way when addressing the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute some months ago. I wrote, only two plausible explanations spring to mind. One is that President Obama isn't very familiar with the most famous passage in the document that founded this nation that even when plainly reading from a teleprompter, he wasn't able to quote it correctly. The other is that President Obama does not subscribe to the Declaration's central claim that our rights come from our Creator, also referred to in the Declaration as nature's God and the supreme judge of the world. At this point, the second explanation certainly seems like the likelier one. Last month, President Obama stumbled a bit, pausing and then misquoting the passage in question in a couple of different places. The other night, he quoted the passage flawlessly, except they are endowed by their Creator, was replaced with each of us are endowed. The perception with which he quoted, or the precision with which he quoted the rest of the passage makes his revision of one particular part seem less likely to have been an accident. When asked by a reporter about omitting the reference to our Creator the last time, and on another occasion when he wasn't quoting from the document, but was merely paraphrasing, and thus cannot in all fairness be said to have referenced it incorrectly. The White House official reply was, I can assure you that the President believes in the Declaration of Independence. It was a flimsy and somewhat curious response, as the topic of belief had not been raised. But in any event, does the President of the United States believe in the, in the Declaration of Independence? As I've noted his administration's 29-page overview to the UN on the respect or disregard for rights shown in America throughout American history, it doesn't contain a single meaningful reference to the Declaration its affirmation of certain unalienable rights, or its claim about the source of those rights. His presidential victory speech last election night incorrectly dated this nation's existence from the writing of the Constitution, not from the signing of the Declaration of Independence. His 4th of July remarks in 2009 managed to avoid mentioning or quoting from the Declaration at all. The President's revision of language that's not only central to our country's history, identity, and philosophy, but also to most of his fellow countrymen's hearts, stands in stark contrast to other presidents' repeated offering of thanks to God and their clear conviction that our rights do not, that our rights do in fact come from Him, from God. The founders of this nation, the leaders of the Continental Army, were not 
half committed. 95% or more were Christian. These men rejected a tyrannical government, oppressive laws, and overly burdensome taxation, and they risked life and limb and their fortunes, or whatever fortune they had, to fight for what they thought was right. By signing the Declaration of Independence, they declared themselves to be engaged in high treason against His Majesty, King George III. Now today, I'm going on record to stop the insanity that the founders of this nation were not Christian men. It is a lie. It is a lie from the pit of hell. There is a reason for that lie. It is directly a part of the Antichrist agenda, the one world global agenda that the highest leaders of our nation have bought into. Not just President Obama, but the Bushes, the Clintons, they bought into this one world government and they saw it and expressed it as a grand design. Henry Kissinger, one of the grand designers, proclaims we must have a one world government. Well, I can assure you that one world government will not be a republic. It will not be democratic. It will be tyrannical. And they must destroy the national pride and heritage of America if they're going to bring this wicked one world government into existence. As a Christian, I must stand in total opposition and must cry aloud a warning that if we do not wake up and return to our founding fathers' faith in Jesus Christ, our nation will be destroyed and we will live in world tyranny. When Hitler arose, American bankers helped finance the war machine. But when he got out of hand, America was there to come to Europe's rescue. But when America's gone, who will come to the world's rescue? There will be no one. If you think the bloodshed was horrible, under Pol Pot, or under Hitler, or under Stalin. Wait until there is a, a Hitler or a Stalin who rules the world. Where will you run for safety then? Or will you receive the mark of the beast and conform to the demands of the one world government? I, for one, will never submit to a one-world government. I already belong to a one-world government ruled by Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. I owe my allegiance only to Jesus Christ and not to some dictator. You too must choose. 
Now, the founders of our nation had diverse views of worship, of church, and of the institutionalized religion. However, they were essentially unanimous concerning biblical morality, Christianity, and the God of the Holy Bible. The founding documents of every one of the original 13 colonies reveal them to be awash in the concepts and agreement with Christianity and the God of heaven. Our founding fathers wanted to give birth to a free nation where all men would have the right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. A nation where man's rights are declared to come from God. There was a clear tipping point where they said enough is enough and could no longer accept the usurpation of power that England was exacting on them. They looked at this vast land full of resources, a country full of young children. The average family in the colonies had six children. They thought, what is our future to be? They refused to live under a tyranny. They refused to allow their children to pay taxes to what they felt was a central government that did not have their best interests at heart. They rejected being lorded over. Our founders went all in. They doubled down. They stood on death ground. They cut off all routes of escape. England had the most powerful military in the world. They had the most powerful military to have ever existed in the history of mankind. England ruled vast kingdoms the world over. The sun never set on the British Empire. The Americans had nowhere to run if they lost. There was nowhere to escape. The 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence in the summer of 1776 faced certain death if their grand experiment of a free United States was to fail. Not one man of the 56, not a single one, renounced this new pledge that they were free men to pursue life without a ruler dictating their future to them and oppressively taxing them. America, they determined, would allow for any man, regardless of what his past was, regardless of whom his father was, to live free and to prosper. The 56 men who formed this free nation burned their ships. They were lawyers, merchants, pastors, and farmers. They were not fatalistic. They were not half converted or half committed. Nine of them died in the war with England from wounds. Seventeen went completely bankrupt. Five were tortured by the British for treason. And others lost loved ones, homes, and businesses. At least 25,000 American patriots died during active military service. About 6,800 of these deaths were in battle. The other 17,000 recorded deaths were from disease. 
including 12,000 who died of starvation or disease brought on by deplorable conditions while prisoners of war, most in rotting British prison ships in New York Harbor. Some estimates, however, put the total death toll of around 70,000 for the Continental Army. The British sustained heavy losses, well over 50,000 casualties. But it was desertion that really hurt them. During the war, more than 42,000 British sailors simply deserted their ships, giving just the tipping point that the Continental and French navies needed. These men, too, wanted to be free, and they were willing to fight with the Americans for freedom. The financial cost to the Americans was devastating. The United States spent an estimated $37 million at the national level, plus $114 million by the states, and $400 million paying soldiers' wages, $551 million total. In the 1970s and 80s, in the 1770s and 1780s, $551 million was a staggering amount of money. It's hard to even quantify how much money that was in the 1780s. Now, the three major foundational documents of the United States of America are the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, and the Constitution. There are a total of 143 signatures on these documents, representing 118 different signers. There are 204 men who are accurately described as our founding fathers. These are the people who did one or more of the, father, uh, of the following. They signed the Declaration of Independence or they signed the Articles of Confederation. They attended the Continental Convention. They signed the Constitution of the United States of America. They served as senators in the first federal Congress and they served as U.S. representatives in the first Congress. 99% of these men believed in God as the creator. More than 95% of these men were Christians who confessed and believed in the deity of Jesus Christ. The following men signed the Constitution. Charles Pickney and John Langdon. They were the founders of the American Bible Society. James McHenry, founder of the Baltimore Bible Society. Rufus King helped found a Bible Society for the Anglicans. Abraham Baldwin, a chaplain in the Revolution and considered the youngest theologian in America. Roger Sherman, William Samuel Johnson, John Dickinson and Jacob Broom, all theological writers. James Wilson, William Patton, 
placed on the Supreme Court by President George Washington. They had prayer over the juries in the U.S. Supreme Court room. James Madison, who wrote the Madison Papers, trained for ministry with the Reverend Dr. John Witherspoon. And Madison's writings are replete with declarations of his faith in God and in Jesus Christ. Alexander Hamilton began work with the Reverend James Bayard to form the Christian Constitutional Society to help spread over the world the two things which Hamilton said made America great, Christianity and a constitution formed under Christianity. Now, please, I hope you're hearing and understanding the Founding Fathers of America were Christians. They believed in the deity of Jesus Christ. They believed in morality. They believed that the Christian faith was fundamental to the freedom of America and that when you remove religion from America, you have destroyed America. I'll talk in just a minute about Madison's belief about the separation of church and state. It has been utterly twisted by a wicked Supreme Court. It was never Madison's intention to take prayer out of the schools. In Russia, Putin's Russia today, mandatory that they read the scriptures in school. Prayer is welcomed. In some ways, Russia today is more Christian than America is. How is that possible? I look at the news and I shudder. I look at the Drudge Report and I shudder. The filth that is pouring into America from Hollywood and its stars. The rancid unbelief. The lifting up of everything that is unclean and calling it clean. And the casting down of everything that is righteous and calling it wicked. The judgment of God is coming upon this nation. We will be destroyed if we do not repent. And repentance always begins at a personal level. It begins with you waking up and saying, enough of this wickedness. Going to your school boards, objecting to what is happening in the sex education for your little children. They can talk about condoms and they can talk about transgenderism. They can talk about homosexuality, but they can't talk about Jesus Christ. Something's wrong. Something is desperately wrong. You're aware that the Minutemen at that bridge in Lexington. The Minutemen were the elders of a local Baptist church and they were led by the Baptist pastor. The pulpits of America were aflame with righteousness. Today we scorn that as hellfire and brimstone. Well, I'll tell you what, we can either have the hellfire and brimstone coming from our pulpits or we're going to have it coming from the heavens. 
Today we have little feminized preachers with cute little sermons and entertainment. Where are the men of God who will stand up and set their pulpits aflame, crying out against sin and calling for righteousness and repentance in America? Historian Paul Johnson wrote, the great, Amer- the great Awakening was the proto-revolutionary event, the formative moment in Americans' history, preceding the political drive for independence and making it possible. The American Revolution in its origins was a religious event, whereas the French Revolution was an anti-religious event. That fact was to shape the very nature of the independent state it brought into being called America. Samuel Adams, the rabble-rouser, anti-tyranny, defiant leader of the New England freedom movement known as the Sons of Liberty, was also a signer of the Declaration of Independence. He was known as the father of the American Revolution. He was a ratifier of the U.S. Constitution and the governor of Massachusetts. He wrote the following, I rely upon the merits of Jesus Christ for a pardon for all my sins. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Thither the righteous flee and are safe. Let us secure his favor, and he will lead us through the journey of this life and at length receive us to a better. I can I conceive we cannot better express ourselves than by humble supplication of the supreme ruler of the world that the confusions that are and have been among the nations may be overruled by the promoting and speedily bringing in the holy and happy period when the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ may be everywhere established and the people willing to bow to the scepter of him who is the Prince of Peace. He also called on the state of Massachusetts to pray that the peaceful and glorious reign of our divine Redeemer may be known and enjoyed throughout the whole family of mankind. He said, may we with one heart and voice humbly implore his gracious and free pardon through Jesus Christ, supplicating his divine aid, and above all to cause the religion of Jesus Christ in its true spirit to spread far and wide till the whole earth shall be filled with his glory, with true contrition of heart to confess their sins to God and implore forgiveness through the merits and meditation and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior. What do you think? Does Sam Adams sound like he might be a devout Christian? What would you think if President Obama were to make such a statement? I can tell you he will never make such a statement because he is not a devout Christian. Is he a Muslim? I don't know. It looks like he is. Every indication is that he is not a Christian. Every decision he makes is to destroy this nation. It absolutely astonishes me that many of you who are black worship at Obama's altar. 
when he has done more to destroy your economic possibilities than any other president in history. Black unemployment is skyrocketing because he has ripped away from you job opportunities and he is giving it to all the migrants that are flooding into our nation. How long will you bow at this tyrannical, democratic operation that is leftist and progressive, but it is progressive toward hell. It is progressive toward destroying the Christian faith. How long will you be blinded by the party that has brought you the Ku Klux Klan, by the party that has brought to you every destruction, the destruction of your babies? How many years have you voted for the Democrats and you still are impoverished? It astonishes me the blindness of the American people as they sit at the feet of supposed men that have their best interests, but in their actions demonstrate a total lack of commitment. Do black lives matter? They matter to Jesus Christ. Does that mean there is a right to be lawless and unrighteous? Don't let your sentiments be stirred by a man who has treated your people with such utter contempt. I believe all lives matter to Jesus Christ. And I believe it's time for all lives to repent before a holy God. It is time to humble our hearts before the mighty God of heaven. Gunning Bradford, Continental Army officer, member of the Continental Congress, signer of the Constitution, federal judge in the newly formed United States, says this, To the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be ascribed all honor, dominion, forever. Amen. Some of you have heard the President of the United States actually say that Muslims helped create America. Nothing could be further from the truth. Instead, they were involved in the barbary attacks. The first United States Navy was built to fight against Muslim radicals. Muslim radicals are not new. They were taking Americans captive, capturing our ships, scuttling them, stealing the American Navy was built first to oppose the Muslim radicals. We have such a revisionist view of history. I am not ashamed to say to you today, I welcome every Muslim man and woman who comes legally to America. I embrace them. I have precious Muslim friends that mean the world to me. I pray constantly for them and for their businesses. I do everything I can to help protect them and prosper them. But this is a Christian nation. It is not a secular nation. It was built on the foundation of the Christian gospel. Can you imagine today's leaders 
confessing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and ascribing to him all honor and dominion. If they would, we would become a free nation once again, and they would turn from their wickedness and their tyranny. It is obvious that we have turned away from the God of heaven, and America has now dropped to 20th place in the worldwide freedom ranking, dropping like a stone since 9-11. We held the top spot for freedom for 31 straight years. Since 9-11, we have dropped to 20th place. Our leaders are an absolute disgrace with their Patriot Act, with their monitoring of telephones and Internet. They're not doing that to protect us. They're doing that to bring to pass the tyranny of a one-world government. We were, at one point, the freest nation on the earth. Now our economy is not even ranked as free. The U.S. economy now is the 13th freest economy. It is called, in world terms, mostly free. It's not coincidental that the loss of freedom in the United States with its skyrocketing debt and its outrageous taxation and regulations, its passing of regulations and laws without Congress being involved, the Department of Education should be abolished and many other departments should simply be abolished. They are tyrannical. They do not have the best interests at heart. A resolution that has come before the Department of Education that is being pressed is that every American parent, every American child should be assigned a government monitor and that the government should share 50-50 with the raising of our children. Are you kidding me? That is tyranny with the right, if necessary, to remove the child from the home. What, if we're too Christian? Tyranny is coming upon America like a freight train. What a disgrace to our founding fathers. And what a disservice to our children and our grandchildren. George Washington was a committed Christian. In his speech on May 12, 1779, he claimed that what children need to learn above all things was the religion of Jesus Christ, and that to learn this would make them greater and happier than they already are. On May 2, 1778, he charged his soldiers at Valley Forge to distinguish character of patriot. It should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. And when he resigned his commission as commander-in-chief of the military on June 8, 1783, he reminded the nation that without a humble imitation of the divine author of our blessed religion, we can never hope to be a happy nation. Washington's own adopted daughter declared of President Washington that you might as well question his patriotism 
as to question his Christianity. It's been said in recent years during anti-God movements in America that George Washington was a philander and continually exhibited infidelity in his marriage. It is common dialogue and rhetoric in modern documentaries made about George Washington that he was some kind of womanizer who shared his bed with numerous women. We're fed this steady diet of lies to make us think that the honorable man, George Washington, was simply a revolutionary version of Bill Clinton. It's interesting that all of the writings about George Washington during his life and shortly thereafter are devoid of this nonsense. The writings that do exist from first-hand knowledge or himself state that his marriage to Martha Washington was one that truly grew into one of love and devotion. It was our founding father and the second president, John Adams, that said, Democracy is only fit for a moral people. Without morality, there is no free republic. John Adams stated the general principles on which we achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. What we should note today is that that Adams said freedom rang from America because the pulpits thundered. Thomas Paine, ironically, is often cited by atheists due to his irreverence for traditional Christian church and religion. He was certainly no atheist. In his discourse entitled The Study of God, he asserted that it is the air of schools to teach without reference to the being who is author of them. For all the principles of science are of divine origin. He laments that the evil that has resulted from the error of the schools in teaching science without God has been that of generating in the pupils a species of atheism. Paine not only believed in God, he believed in the spirit realm, and he believed in heaven. Now maybe, maybe Thomas Paine was an unsaved man and never embraced Jesus Christ. I don't know but he certainly believed that an almighty God was our creator. I do not know factually what he actually believed, but I do know factually that he was not an atheist. And frankly, I'll take Thomas Paine over our current government leadership any day of the week. Robert Paine, the brother of Thomas Paine, Continental Army chaplain, signer of the Declaration of Independence, and attorneys general of Massachusetts has this to say. I desire to bless and praise the name of God Most High for appointing me my birth in the land of gospel light, where the glorious tidings of a Savior and of pardon and salvation through him have been continually sounding in my ears. I am constrained to express my adoration of the Supreme Being, the author of my existence, 
in full belief of his providential goodness and his forgiving mercy revealed to the world through Jesus Christ, through whom I hope for never-ending happiness in a future state. I believe the Bible to be the written word of God and to contain in it the whole rule of faith and manners. Now I'm running out of time, but there are just a few other things I want to say to you. The Declaration of Independence was to those who signed it a religious as well as a secular document. The Revolutionary War for America against the British had the blessing of the Lord Jesus. The Declaration is strewn with clear references to God. I'm not going to take time today to give you all of those references, but I am going to share with you a very famous quote by Alexis Torqueville. He visited America in 1831. And he came to America to search. To search and see what, a make, what made America so great. He wrote, I sought for the greatness of the United States in her commodious harbors, her ample rivers, her fertile fields, and boundless forests. It was not there. I sought for it in her rich mines, her vast world commerce, her public school system, in her institutions of higher learning. And it was not there. I look for it in her Democratic Congress and her matchless Constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Alexis de Tocqueville, 1831. Now let's be very honest. America is no longer good. And now the greatness of America is being stripped away from us. Godless men, wicked men, have shipped our jobs to Mexico, to China, to Vietnam. They have said it's only fair that they have an opportunity to get our business. And so Detroit and Flint and other great cities in America are utterly barren. Countless numbers of American citizens are in utter poverty, taking the bread lines, the modern EBT cards. America is being destroyed, my brother, my sister. And it is not accidental, and it is being done by men and women who stand before us and proclaim that 
they have our best interests at heart. I must be honest also by women who stand before us, or women who, who claim they have their best, our best interests at heart, but is obvious by their actions and in their trade deals that they have created a level playing field where everyone can be poor and everyone can lose their jobs and the global elite become more and more wealthy as they establish their one world government. Now hear me clearly. You have a choice. Either to seek Jesus Christ with all of your heart, to turn aside from the wickedness, for the pastors to stand up in their pulpits and begin to thunder against wickedness and begin to lift up the fire of righteousness, or America is shipwrecked. And we will, in our lifetime, see the economy utterly destroyed, see starvation rule, and America will no longer be great because America is no longer good. We can have it all back, but it will take repentance. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. This is Pilgrim's Progress. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Pray as you've never prayed before. Pray for America. Pray for our pulpits. And you repent. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Hi, this is Rich.